Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to another installment of the series. A little bit of wisdom goes a long way. Whether you are from our Nacogdoches campus, from Iglesia Timber Creek, and here Pastor Edgar is translating for me, I just want to say Pastor Edgar is the most handsome campus Spanish pastor we have right now. He is the only Spanish pastor we have right now. But as he's translating this for himself, I just want you to know, Pastor Edgar, we love you, and Nora, you're incredible. Everybody from the Lufkin location, and uh, just, just want to welcome you wherever you're watching. Even if you've never attended uh, physically, and you've been joining us online, we're so glad that you've been a part of Timber Creek Church for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a while, or maybe just over the last few weeks. I've got some good news I want to report to you that we are reopening the Timber Creek locations all across the United States, different churches, depending upon where they are, what states they're in, and where they are in the process of, of the uh, basically the curve of COVID-19. Uh, they are opening all across uh, the nation. And for us, we are planning on opening May 31. Uh, we're going to open up the doors May 31, but I want to tell you, just like a lot of things have looked a little different, um, it's going to look a little different when we open for the first few for the first few weeks as we still try to navigate uh, what this season uh, looks like. Uh, there's going to be a lot of details that are different than just showing up to a Sunday morning and coming to church. And I know I want I want you to know if you're listening right now and you're a little nervous about ooh I don't know if we. Stay home and watch online. It's okay. We're going to go through some very uh, rigorous processes in order to prepare for those Sundays. And in order to understand those details, today, after the service, you can go to our website or Facebook or the Timber Creek app. And there is a, a reopening update link that you can click and you can watch a video from me uh, kind of explaining the nuances of what reopening is going to look like. Here's what I will tell you. We're excited. We're excited to see you, even though there may be some, some uh, uh, certain restrictions or guidelines, if you will. Um, we're excited about reopening the physical locations of Timber Creek. So just want to let you know, more details to come next Sunday. You don't want to miss it because in the middle of my message next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about what those details are in depth and then giving you a chance to understand what, what uh, getting your name in or registering for service, what that looks like. More details to come. In the meantime, let's jump into our next installment of A Little Bit of Wisdom Goes a Long Way. And I want to start by asking you a question. Before we unpack today's uh, lesson on wisdom, I want to ask you this question. Here it is. What does God hate? What do you think God hates? Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, duh. I know of obviously what God hates. He hates pineapple pizza. And he hates the Washington Redskins. And he hates the movie Cats. And he hates love bugs. Of course, he hates all those things. But what does God really hate? No, maybe that's what I hate. But what does God just like, what can't he stand? Well, you don't have to assume that. You don't have to bite your bottom lip and, and kind of ask that question. The book of Proverbs gives us clarity on actually what God hates. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6... It starts out like this. These six things the Lord hates. And the author doesn't just stop there. He says six things the Lord hates beyond that. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. The scripture goes on to say, 
a proud look. Here, here are those seven things. A lying tongue. People that lie. Ugh. Have you ever been lied to and it frustrates you so much? Um, <clears throat> hands that shed innocent blood. Obviously, murder. You know, that God, God hates murder. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Like you're all, you're just thinking, how can I, how can I mess that up? How, how can I, how can uh, I, I kind of bring this? Like it's just, he hates that. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. Who talk, basically says one thing about you, but it's not true. They're a false witness and they breathe lies. And he who sows discord among his brethren. Do you know that churches have people in them that God doesn't hate that individual, but he hates what they do in churches or companies or organizations? When you're sitting around a water cooler and you're sowing disunity about your boss or about the manager or about the place of employment or about this, that, and the other, do you know God just, ugh. He hates that attitude. But today I want to focus, going back to that very first verse, seven are an abomination to him. I want, I want to focus in on the very first one. I skipped over it because the other things like shedding innocent blood and sowing discord and people that lie, you know, that makes sense. But, but, but this one right here, a proud look. It's interesting to me that God would put in the same category as murder and discord and gossip and lying a proud look. There's an issue that we have to deal with today and your wisdom is stunted. Your wisdom falls short. Your, your wisdom is never going to grow full grown into maturity if you deal with pride. Pride is what got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden because it, it wasn't about eating the fruit. It was the pride that crept in thinking that they could be like God. Pride is what kept the Israelites from going from Egypt, taking a six-week journey to the promised land. Instead, it was a 40-year journey. It was their pride that kept them wandering in the wilderness. We've got some problems with pride and what I want to do today is just unpack a few different thoughts about the problem with pride. So if you're taking notes, jot some of these down, and, uh, and, and I hope you'll follow along with me. Okay, here we go. First, first one I want you to write down is pride causes unhealthy conflict. Now notice that I've said unhealthy conflict. Conflict is conflict. You can have good conflict, but you can also have unhealthy conflict. Proverbs 13 says it like this, pride leads to conflict, that unhealthy kind. Those who take advice are wise. So what does it mean? When we have pride in our lives, we close our ears and we close our eyes to advice. People saying, hey, you may want to think about it this way. And if you don't have an open mind to hear other opinions, if you don't have an open mind to stop and listen and wait, in fact, W-A-I-T is a good thing for you to remember when you're talking so much, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? Like, just wait for a second, but pride can lead you to not listen well. Here's a few things I've jotted down. You can scribble them out. Pride pressures others with our expectations. I think many times as parents, we can put this on our kids, especially in the academic realm and in the uh, sports realm. 
where our, our pride, we want our kids to succeed. We, you may not say it this way, but you don't want your kids to embarrass you out on the ball field. And so you can pressure them with your own expectations. Pride makes us unsympathetic when others make mistakes. Like you've never failed. Like, like you never messed up. But what pride can do is it brings a barrier. It builds a wall and it makes us unwilling to give grace to those that make mistakes when you can make mistakes too. Some of the same mistakes you make, you can get upset that other people made those mistakes and there you are doing the same thing. Here's another one. Pride can cause us to hold grudges and keep score. You're too proud to admit that you were wrong. How many, how many of you are keeping score in your marriage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you remember back in 1974 when you said that and you said you'd never said it again? You just said it again. You're keeping score. You're tallying. You're not, oh, that's what you, you, you said it. You, you did that. I told you not to do that again. I told you not to say it that way. Pride can help us hold grudges and keep score. Pride causes us to gossip, just talk about people. Do you know why? Here is the power in gossip. Gossip is, is, there's power in it because you have information other people don't. And it's pride knowing that I'm going to be able to be the one that sheds light on something that nobody else knows. And you get that feeling of, what? They did what? They said what? They went where? They, they lost how much money? They cheated on who? And that gossip actually is driven by the pride of carrying information that nobody has. It's a scary thing to, to deal with pride. Pride, here's another thing. Pride makes us rude. Makes us rude. Rude is a national pastime these days. Parents are rude to their kids. Kids are rude to their parents. Adults are rude to adults. Yelling at each other at Facebook. Just rude, 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 rude. Even when you're right, when you're rude, you're wrong. And pride makes us rude. Now pause. Any of these, uh, any of these a little ticklish to you? Because you may be dealing with some pride. It's not just about being a rude person. The root cause of being rude is pride. Pride makes us judgmental. You remember the scripture in Matthew 7 when, when Jesus talks about uh, don't worry about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you have a, a, a log hanging out of your own. Some of you are so worried about the sawdust in their eye, you forgot you got a Louisville slugger hanging out your eyeball. And pride can make us judgmental. Pride makes us blame others. It's what happened with Adam and Eve again in the garden. Um, uh, Adam, God says, what happened? And Adam said, well, the woman you put here made me eat the fruit. And, and Eve said, well, the devil made me do it. Like, like they just, they blamed other people and it's the pride that we can just blame others. Here's another danger about having pride. When you're proud, the words, I'm sorry, please forgive me, they're harder to come. I, I, I messed up. If you have a hard time admitting your mistakes, I want to invite you to do some spiritual inventory today. You may be dealing with a sin. It's not just chalking up mistakes. Pride is a sin. And God, God just, he hates a proud look. He hates a proud look. 
So not only does, does pride, not only we have some issues with pride, pride has some common proclamations. Maybe you've said this a time or two. I know I've said some things before. I've thought them. Maybe I haven't said it out loud, but I may have thought it. I'm better than them. I'm better than them. <laughs> I would do that differently. Idiots, <laughs> whatever you might say. I'm better than them. You know, the Pharisees who were supposed to be closest to God Jesus really kind of rattled their chain because he, he really wanted them to understand that just because you had a position in the temple doesn't make, make you close to God. And Jesus says it like this. Uh, he gives this illustration that the Pharisees stood up, those that are supposed to be close to God, and they prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He's pointing to the dude. He's praying, I'm so thankful that I'm, like, I'm not like Greg over here. You know, you know Greg God. <laughs> In fact, I'm not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. I tithe, and I fast, and I pray. Look at me, pride, 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 pride. And Jesus goes on to say, but the tax collector, he stood at a distance. The one that would be the lowest of the low, he would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Pride will keep you from experiencing the presence of God. It will get you focused on yourself and not folk. And you know what? When you focus on yourself, you end up becoming a God to yourself. And God said, don't have any other gods before me. And pride builds you into your God. If you've ever heard, I'm better than them, that, that, if you've ever said it, that's a proud proclamation. Here's another one. I can handle it myself. I can do it myself. I can do it myself. Your kids ever say that? Do you know what it is? It's the seeds of pride building up in their lives. And that's why we've got to help them while they're young. The enemy would love nothing more than to plant the seeds of pride in our kids early on. I can handle it myself. The prodigal son had this pride. The prodigal son, the, the younger son says to his dad, I want my, my inheritance. I want it now. I want to live my life. Let me live my life. You don't even know. So his dad gives him the inheritance. He goes and he blows it in Las Vegas at the Bellagio. Ends up eating out of the dumpster behind the, behind the Bellagio. He has to come back to his senses. He thought he could handle it himself, and pride will get you there. Here's another one. Doesn't apply to me. Ah, this is a good message. Man, I wish my brother were here to hear it. <laughs> if you're saying someone else really needs to hear this message... Because it doesn't apply to you. Ding, 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 ding. You might have some pride issues. You really might. That doesn't apply to me, Pastor Jeremy. King David dealt with this. A man after God's heart. So I want you to know, if you've got some pride, it's okay, it's okay. God will meet you right where you are, just like he would meet David. David had pride. Um, Nathan, the prophet, goes in after, after David took another man's wife, slept with her, got her pregnant. Then to cover up the whole national scandal, he has her husband killed on the battlefield. And when Nathan, the prophet, goes to, to confront David, he gives him this illustration about a rich man on one side of the street and a poor man on the other side of the street. And the rich man had a bunch of animals, bunch of lambs. 
And the other poor guy just had one little lamb, tiny little lamb. And that poor, the poor gentleman, he would, he would uh, 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 comb that lamb. He would feed that lamb. He would let that lamb just drink out of his little cup at supper time. He would let the lamb sleep on the edge of his bed at nighttime. And the rich man had all the lambs in the world. And the rich man had a friend come over. And instead of slaughtering one of his own lambs to have lamb chops that night... The rich man sends a servant over to the poor man, takes his only lamb, slaughters his, the poor man's only lamb, and has it for lamb chops that night. And David hears this story. He, he's ticked off. He doesn't even realize the whole story's about him. He's the one that took Uriah's lamb, Bathsheba. He's the one that slaughtered Uriah. Like, he doesn't get it. And it was his pride that blinded him to the application of that story. Don't let that be you. This doesn't apply to me. If you think it doesn't apply, it probably applies. Number three, pride prevents growth. You get stuck where you are and you don't grow when you deal with pride. And I want to tell you, pride is not something that, that you deal with like annually, like paying your taxes, you know, filling out your taxes. It's something that, that is going to creep up all the time. And you got, you, got to put a, you got to put a heel on the neck of pride because if you're not careful, just when you think things are okay, there comes pride. And pride will prevent your growth in Christ. Pride makes me unteachable and untouchable. And you know, larger than life superstars and actors, they can probably deal with a little bit of pride. Um, we all can. And uh, I'm reminded of the story Muhammad Ali one time in his, in his uh, uh, huge fame, when he was in his prime, he got onto an airplane and he was sitting in first class and the, way, the, the, uh, the uh, flight attendant came up to him and said, uh, Mr. Ali, please put on your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali, said, Muhammad Ali said it like this, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Superman don't need no seatbelt. And, and the flight attendant, I love her response. She said, yeah, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> Buckle up. What can happen is when we get pride, when we think we got it all under control, we can be unteachable and we can be untouchable. Can I say something to you? When we open May 31st, things are going to look different. Uh, parking lot is going it, it, to, it's going to be a little different coming in. Uh, it's going to be very managed. When, when you come in, you, maybe some of you, when you're here, you have your favorite spot to sit. Well, the way we're going to have to do certain social distancing practices, blessed are the flexible because they will not be bent out of shape. There's going to be a process of where we sit and how we sit and how we dismiss and, and, and all, all, all that. You're going to have to be teachable. You're going to have to be flexible. And if you're not, you may want to stay online. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now. Pride makes me unteachable and untouchable. Here's another one. Pride keeps me from getting the help I need. From parenting to work, asking a manager, hey, I need help. Um, your finances, asking someone that's been down the road, maybe a little wiser than you, but I don't know, you're 21 and they were, they were having you open up a credit, you know, credit card account for a free sweater your first day of college. And so all of a sudden, 17 credit cards later, and you're up to debt, up to your eyeballs in debt, but you've not talked to anybody about it. You're trying to hide it. Maybe pride will keep you from getting 
help. Okay, let me stop for a second. Let me get real with you, okay? Because I, I think I've been here before too. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Where it feels like, oh, I feel like God's not answering me. I feel like God's not there. I feel like I'm praying, but it's like I can't get an answer. I'm not saying that it's always like this, but I do wanna show you the book of Leviticus. Look what God says. I'm gonna break down your stubborn pride. And what I'll do by do how here's how I'll break it down. I'll make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. He was stopping the rain and he was stopping the soil from being rich. Your strength will be spent in vain because your soil will not yield its crops, nor will the trees of your land yield their fruit. And many times we want to know why God won't listen, why God won't respond, why God doesn't care. And many times it's our own stubborn pride that we just haven't surrendered to him. So if that's a major issue, what's the cure for it? What's the cure for pride? If that's where we are, how do we cure this whole thing? Well, we don't have to look for an antidote. We don't have to look for an immunization. We don't have to look for this next best thing. We simply go to the word of God and we understand that it is God's grace that leads to humility. Humility is the anti-venom to the bite of pride. To, 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 the poison, to the poison of pride, humility is the anti-venom. And I, wanna, I want you to know, God gives us grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. When you think there's not more grace, he gives that much more grace. And God's grace leads to humility. In fact, the book of James says it like this. He gives more grace. That, that whole chapter starts out by, why, why do you get enticed by things? Why do you do the things you shouldn't do? It's because, because of your pride, because you, you think you can do it, and you want what you want, and you, you don't humble yourself. And the book of James goes on to say, God opposes the proud. He, he stiffs arms like a Heisman Trophy running back. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace upon grace to the humble, the humble. And so James goes on to say, so if that's the case, if he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, guess what we need to do? <clears throat> humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will roadrunner. He'll, beep, beep, psh, he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wow, that sounds good and that sounds great, but I want you to know it doesn't stop there. It continues on and James says, wash your hands, you sinners. Insert COVID-19 joke here, okay? Wash your hands, you sinners. In other words, we all have the guilty stain of being proud. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided. Pride brings destruction. A house divided against itself can't stand. And one of the best ways that a house is divided is through pride. Loyalty is divided with pride between God and the world or God and your world or God and you wanting to be God. So let me say it this way. If you could learn and model just one Christ-like quality, think about the qualities of Christ. Patient kind, loving, um, gentle, controlled. 
long-suffering. If you could learn and model just one Christ-like quality, can I just suggest to you it should be humility? Because here's the truth about humility. Humility is the hallmark of emotionally healthy people. You, when you see someone that you like to be around, that you trust, that, 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 that knows Jesus well, I want you to know very rarely are they going to lack humility. Emotionally healthy people, humility is their hallmark. It's, their, it's the centerpiece of their life. Another few thoughts about humility. Humility is the secret to God's power in your life. If you feel like God's power isn't at work, it may be that you're being opposed by the pride that you've let stir up or kind of fill up some of the space in your spiritual landscaping with the weeds of pride. And here's the deal about humility. You don't pray for humility. You don't pray for humility. God, give me humility. In fact, humility is something you do. You choose it. You surrender. You don't have to pray for that. You have to do it yourself. The Bible's clear. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Humility is the key to answered prayer because it places us in a position to let God be the big one. Pride wants us to be big. Humility says, oh God, you must increase, I must decrease. So if humility is something that we do, what do I do? How how do I begin to take steps to humble myself? How do I humble myself in order to push down, get the heel on the throat of pride and really begin to walk humbly with our God? What do I do? Four simple things and then we're gonna pray. The first would be this. You got to confess it. You got to confess your pride. You got to be honest with yourself and be honest with others and be honest with God. That pride has snuck in. That pride is, has placed you in a, in a position where you, you're not quite aligned to experience all that God has for you. Scripture says it like this in Proverbs 28. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. And I'm going to tell you, living with pride is a huge mistake. Admit that. Confess it. In fact, the scripture goes on to say, but if he confesses and he forsakes them, these mistakes, that pride, he gets another chance. I love the fact that Jesus is a God of second and seventh and 700 chances. He's just a God that's grace upon grace and just when you thought, I won't, I won't get any more grace, <laughs> there it is, more grace. Confess your pride. You know another thing we have to do when it comes to pride? You gotta evaluate yourself realistically. Many times, pride builds up in an unrealistic evaluation of your, of your skills and your gifts and, and just who you are. You begin to get puffed up with pride thinking, I got this, I'm okay, I can handle it myself, right? Just those, those proclamations of pride. I love what Romans 12 says, don't think you're better than you really are. <laughs> like, careful, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. So honestly, Maybe you need to improve 
You, you don't like the fact that somebody that you, you're the employer and they're the employee and you don't like the fact that they said, I, I don't like it when you do it that way. And you're like, well, well, well I, I, you know what? I don't like you being on the payroll. Like, like you, you get all upset. Like, be honest. Maybe there's a dark side of your leadership because let me tell you, there is. There is. We all have a dark side. The stronger your gifts are, they're like, they're like lighthouses. And lighthouses can, can, can show light into the rocky terrain of an ocean. But can I also say, the taller the lighthouse, the longer shadow it casts. Many times we have a shadow of our leadership. And it can be pride that keeps us from seeing those things. Confess your pride. Confess it to Jesus, and I encourage you, confess it with somebody. This is why we need each other. This is why we need groups. This is why we need community. So that we can confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. We confess our sin of pride to Jesus, and he forgives us. He cleanses us from that unrighteousness. But we confess our pride to other people so that iron sharpens iron, and it helps us grow in our relationship. So what do I do? Confess it evaluate myself realistically where, where I need to humble myself and then serve others unselfishly. An antidote to pride is servanthood. You know, this church will not survive without dream teamers. It won't. There are dream teamers serving behind the camera even now, up in our media booth, around the campus, there are people that are serving as dream teamers. And can I tell you that one of the reasons you, you ought to be serving, one of the reasons, one of the reasons you ought to be serving is because it helps put a heel on pride. As you serve others instead of serving yourself, there's power in that. It humbles you. Be a servant be a part of a dream team. When we come back, listen, I, I, I heard this from one of our, one of our staff members uh, just a few, uh, few hours ago, actually. They were saying, one of their dream teamers said, I have had a renewed appreciation for serving. It's not a got to, it's a get to. And I want you to know when we serve others, it's a, it's a get to and it helps us, uh, it helps us offset that, that stink of pride. Finally, you gotta depend on Jesus continually. Because pride peels us away from dependence on God and places us in a position of independence. Independence to God, independence to other people's thoughts, independent, like I can do it myself. I don't need your help. Back off, God. I can be like God, says Eve, says the enemy to Eve. You can be as smart as God, as wise as God, as sharp as God. You can be like God. He doesn't want you to be like that. And because that independence is appealing, I'll say that again. Because independence is appealing, we, we end up depending on ourselves. And if you really want to stamp out pride, you got to depend on him continually. The Bible says it like this, in his pride... The wicked man does not seek him. Can I say something to you? Listen, now listen close. I'm your friend. I love you. I love you, but you need to hear me. If you struggle with daily quiet time, if you struggle not having a quiet time with the Lord, I want you to know part of that is discipline of just developing the habit. 
But do you know that another part of it is pride? Because we think we got it, that we don't need to give our portion of our day to him. You know why people struggle with giving the tenth, the tithe to God? Pride. Pride. Um, I don't need that. Uh, oh, that, that sounds good. That was back in the day. That's just the Bible. Like, like it's, a, it's a pride thing. And we don't seek him. In fact, Scripture says, in all his thoughts, there's no room for God. <laughs> don't be that person where all you're thinking every day, all day, you're thinking about that situation, you're worrying about this, you're worrying about that. In all of those things, the pride sneaks in and you don't seek him and there becomes no room. So I wonder if you need to make some room today for what Jesus wants to say to you. Because let me finish with this scripture from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom that comes from this book that we've been on in for six weeks now. Nine weeks digitally. Six weeks with this wisdom because we need it. Because wisdom is supreme. And even if it costs everything you have, you ought to get wisdom. And I want you to know Proverbs 11 says it like this. Pride leads to what? Say it with me. Pride leads to what? Disgrace. One more time. Disgrace. Nobody wants to be disgraced. Pride leads to disgrace. But look, look at it, watch. But with humility comes wisdom. As we humble ourselves, the more wisdom we receive. And that kind of wisdom a little bit of it at a time goes a really, really long way. So I invite you, make room, humble yourself in this moment, confess to God your pride, and you know what? I'm gonna lead the way. Let me just say a prayer real quick. Father, I've been proud. I deal with pride. God, don't let me be like that Pharisee so focused on my own stuff that I let pride creep in. I want to have that heart of, of humility like that tax collector beating on my chest saying, oh God, I can't do this without you. I can't be who I am, who I need to be without you, who you've called me to be without you. I humble myself. I surrender to you. I, I need less of me and I need more of you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And you know what? I invite you to let this song be your prayer. As Cody sings it, maybe you'd like to sing out loud with us. Let it be not only a worship song, but let it be a prayer today. Go ahead, Cody. Lord, I come and I confess Bowing here, I find my rest and without you, I fall apart. For you're the one who guides my heart. And Lord, I need you. Oh, I, oh, I need you. Every
Oh God, how I need. 